At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. Thanks for tuning into our series, The Follower's Trail Guide, Navigating the Path of Jesus, where we're asking the question, what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? As we walk through Jesus' farewell discourse to his followers in the book of John, we'll learn to follow in the steps of Christ as he marks out the way of discipleship for us. The book of John, we're going to be in John chapter 14 this morning, continuing where we left off last week. John chapter 14, we're going to begin this morning in verse 15. I want to kind of set this stage, give you something to think about as we dive into the text today, so you can kind of feel what the disciples might have been feeling on this day and this occasion as as Jesus has been speaking with them. Now imagine for a moment, you are immediately thrust in the middle of the Amazon, You don't have anything. You have no gear. You have no bug spray. You have no machete. You have nothing, right? So you're immediately thrust in the middle of the Amazon forest. You don't know where you are. You don't know where you're going. You don't know anything, and you're completely lost. Then, all of a sudden, kind of coming out of the forest comes a trail guide. Someone that says, I can tell that you're lost. Would you just follow me? And so you're like, well, I've got nothing better to do, right? I'm not going to stay here. I don't get eaten by a jaguar or something like that. So you begin to just follow the trail guide. And along the way, the trail guide is, is, is taking your anxiety level and he's bringing it down. And instead of like talking about all the dangerous things that are out there, he's helping you see the beauty of the rainforest. And you feel a sense of comfort and you feel a sense of joy because he's been there before, right? He's the expert. He knows everything about the trail, and so he's showing you the beautiful flowers, and he's helping you you see and take time to take in that babbling brook that goes by and the way, and when the rain starts to come, you get a chance to sit and just enjoy the rain as it gently hits your face. He provides for you along the way. You eat, and you get to enjoy his company, and you have a deeper appreciation for the rainforest. And you're in a good place. But then, then you get halfway in into the trail. You have no idea how much longer, but you're in the middle of it all. And that which hasn't scared you starts to scare you because your trail guide now says, hey, I'm leaving. Imagine how you begin to feel. Right, the one, your source of strength, your, your source of security, your source, your, your source and sense of direction is now gone. And you begin to hear the voices or the noises of the rainforest. And that which used to bring peace now brings discomfort and brings fear. You see, in a very similar way, this is exactly how the disciples are feeling Remember, years ago, Jesus came to them along the way, and Jesus is like, hey, come follow me. Just follow me. Leave everything behind and follow me. So they began to follow him, and they did, and they followed him on this journey. And now Jesus knows he's getting ready to go to the cross. He's getting ready to do the work of redemption. He knows what's coming, and he's trying to prepare his disciples for that. And he comes to them and says, I'm going away. And where I am going, you cannot follow. 
So as those words come out of Jesus' mouth, the anxiety and the fear and the pressure of life begins to build within his disciples. They feel disoriented. They feel afraid. But just in that moment, before it gets to the point of the bubbling over, Jesus says, what we're going to see today, I'm getting ready to go to the cross. I'm getting ready to leave you, but I'm not going to leave you alone. Maybe that's the message that you, the simple message that you need to hear this morning, is that you are not alone. Though the world around you, you may feel completely isolated, you may feel completely distant, you may feel all alone, you are not alone. And as we're continuing our series today, what I want us to see as we look at this passage is that Jesus sends the Holy Spirit to help us on the way. Jesus sends the Holy the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, to help us on the way. This is what we're going to see. But when we think about God and we think about the Trinity and we think about the different aspects of God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, I think a lot of times when we talk about those things, we focus in, in on God and his fatherhood. We kind of understand that. We see God as creator. We see God as on the throne. And that's, that's kind of an understanding that's easy for us to grasp. Right? Then we talk about Jesus and we talk, about a, we talk a lot about Jesus here. Right? We know Jesus, we love Jesus, we want to follow Jesus because Jesus is God in the flesh. He serves the role as son to the Father who actually did the work of our redemption. But then we also talk about, and we all understand, I think intellectually, that there's thing, this thing called the Holy Spirit. Right? There's, there's the third person of the Trinity is the Holy Spirit. And because we don't, write a lot about the Holy Spirit. We don't talk a lot about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit sometimes to many believers is this like mystical thing that we kind of, we know about, but we don't talk about, right? Because there's, if we talk about it, there's that danger of, of allowing have, where we have Holy Spirit conversation and everything's the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit's this. And we've seen some people go off the edge of, of saying everything's the Holy Spirit. And so I think that there's a lot of confusion around the Holy Spirit. And I also think that many, many Christians just don't realize the true power and what God has really given to us in the gift of the Holy Spirit. I think if we truly understood the Holy Spirit, I know for sure if we truly understood the Spirit, we wouldn't live defeated lives. We wouldn't be living lives that are like behind the curtain saying, oh Lord, please come and save me. The world is too scary. I think if we truly understood the power of the Holy Spirit, we would rip open those curtains and we'd step on the front of the stage and we'd say, Lord, here's my life. Use it however you wish. Not my will, but your will, because I know the Holy Spirit lives inside of me and is going to empower me to do the mighty work that is before me. So today, I want us to look at this text. And if the words of God are true today, 
if anything in this scripture is true today, and we, we look at scripture and we're like, yep, yeah, that's true, that's true, that's true, then I want us to come to look at the scripture today and understand that this is true as well. If all the other pages, all the other 66 books of the Bible are true, and this comes in one of those books, then it must be true too as well. And my prayer is that we begin to walk in this new truth. In this truth that some of us are like, ah, I get God, I get Jesus, but the Holy Spirit, eh, I just don't, eh, do I really need him? Yeah, we desperately need him. We desperately need the Holy Spirit because we're in the middle of the Amazon rainforest where there are things that are seeking to devour us and destroy us, and yet we need a guide and we need someone to show us the way home. And Jesus provided the way. But the Holy Spirit comes in and what we're going to see empowers us to walk in the way. So today, as we look at this passage, I want us to see three truths about the Holy Spirit that are true for the life of a believer, that are true for us if we've come to place faith and trust in Jesus Christ. So these three truths help us understand the path of Jesus and give us the power to do so as well. So let's jump in. John chapter 14, beginning in verse 15. Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments and I will ask the father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. In that day, you will know that I am in my Father and you in me and I in you. The first truth I want us to see as we look in this passage is the spirit of truth dwells within us. Spirit of truth dwells within us. Jesus is standing before his disciples and he's continuing to address them. In this case, the if clause. He starts off by saying, if you love me, if you demonstrate love for me. Now what's important about, there's a lot of shifting happening in this passage. If we we follow it all the way through from, from chapter 13 and even before that, we see Jesus is shifting his conversation. Right Prior to this, in the beginning part of chapter 13, Jesus has talked about how he has demonstrated his love for his own. Jesus shows him, he says, I'm showing you that I love you. I'm showing my love and my care for you. Then in the later part of chapter 13, we see that he declared his love for them. So Jesus demonstrated his love and he's declared his love. And now for the first time, Jesus is turning it and saying, now you must have love for me. I've already done that. I, I love you, right? I, he's, he's given his overtures of love. He's saying, I, I'm going to die for you. I'm going to give my life for you. I love you. I'm demonstrating it. I'm showing it. And now he says, you must show love for me. If you love me, then you will show that by obeying his commands. To love God is to obey his commands. Here's the thing, though. We don't obey so that we receive love. It's not transactionary that way. You don't do good and then God says, I love you. God says, I love you. 
And we show that we love him by obeying his commands. That's important. Don't get that mixed up. But he goes on and he says, not only will the disciples obey his commands and it shows that they love him, but they will receive another, a helper to be with them forever. See, here's the, the thing about the helper, which we're going to talk about in just a second. The helper gives the believer the actual, the power to actually obey. That's the beautiful thing, is that we actually have, when we come to place faith and trust in Jesus Christ, the power of the Holy Spirit comes and indwells us, and one of the works of the Spirit inside of us is to move us to obedience. So that we can come to the commands of Scripture, and we can say, I can't do that. There's no power of my own to be able to do that. But yet when we surrender to the power of God that lives inside of us, then the Holy Spirit does it and we find that we obey. And it shows that we have love for the Father. Because when we live in that way, we know that it's not us doing it, but it's God living inside of us. And so it deepens our love for him. And so he says, I, I'm not going to leave you, but I'm giving you a helper that will be with you forever." Jesus has been telling his disciples that he's leaving and he's encouraging them now with this word, with these words. And he gives us these words to describe this helper that comes to give comfort. The Greek word that's used for the word another, this another that's going to come, is the Greek word alos, which means another of the same kind. Right? So he's not giving us a helper that has some deficiency. He's not giving us a GPS that has a Chinese person speaking, speaking, speaking that speaks Chinese, giving us directions, right? That's, that's lesser of a help, right? He's giving us himself. So he's giving us the pull, his full power and his full presence that same existed in him now can exist in us. So it's the same of the same kind, and so this helper that is going to be sent is just like Jesus. It's just like the Father. And the Greek word used here for the spirit or helper is paraclete, which means, can be translated as counselor, encourager, or mediator. So we have this encourager, we have this counselor, we have this mediator that's, that's working between a holy God and, and us who, are being, who have been redeemed and are being sanctified. We have this mediator that's working in our hearts. This helper not only will be with us, so he's walking by our side. If you look at the text, when we see those prepositions, those prepositions are super important as we talk about this text. This helper, it says, will be in you, inside of you, moving and guiding and leading and directing and empowering. We have this power living inside of us. He abides in us. And this is something the world, those outside of Christ, cannot experience because they cannot see Jesus and they cannot know Jesus because the Spirit is not living inside of them. And Jesus goes on to, to encourage them. He says, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I, I, I don't know a more terrifying position than to be an orphan. Right, to be an orphan, like 
to feel the feelings of an orphan, whether you're separated from your family because of death, you no longer have a mother, you no longer have a father, have no one there that's there to help guide you and love you and tell you that, they're, that they love you and hold you. You don't have that because maybe of death or even worse, to be rejected. Right, to have a mother and father, but you're an orphan because they reject you is, is a terrible thing. Those are terrible feelings, terrible emotions. And so Jesus is coming to his disciples and he's like, hey, I'm not going to leave you like that. You're, you're not going to be orphans. Though, though you're, you're feeling it right now, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. He will not leave his followers follower, fatherless. And just as God loved his own begotten son, he loves his adopted children he loves his like in in that beautiful thing of his adoption of us as sons and daughters we have a connection to a heavenly father that is not deficient in anything we have a connection to a father that is completely holy and completely able to provide for all of our needs and completely able to look at us and say i love you with the love of a father I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm with you. I'm, I, I'm, I'm all in. I'm going to give you all that you need as you walk this journey. And then Jesus goes on and he says, just a little while longer. And what, he, what he's saying here is just a little while longer until this happens is that all of this is going to be realized as Jesus through Jesus' death and his resurrection. So Jesus has to die. Jesus has to take on the sins of the world and become sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. He had to do that work. And in the moment that he does that work and he's resurrected from the dead, now there is this veil that has been torn or this distance that has been brought back together. And Jesus goes on and he says something deeply profound and it's another switch in his communication he says, previously, he's been saying, uh, I am in the Father and the Father is in me. He says this in, in, verse, um, in 10, chapter 10, verse 38. But then, this time, Jesus shifts. Right? He, he's been talking about the, the union that is between the Father and the Son, that he, that he is God himself, and that they, they work together, they are one. There's this deep mutual unity where there's this abiding in each other, where there's rest. And now he switches it, and he says, I am in the Father, and you in me, and I in you. Whoa. Like this is, this is earth shaking. This is life transforming. This is world announcing that this has the opportunity that God, who has been so distant from a sinful man, now because of Christ, now can be in the Father and share the same union that Jesus has with his heavenly Father. We can have that through faith in Jesus. This is an amazing thing. Let's not miss this. Is that we can have union with the Father. On that day, we will have mutual indwelling of both the Father and the Son. But to know the truth, we now learn what it is to know the spirit of the truth. To be united to the Father and the Son 
is an overwhelming union that's only possible through Jesus' work and through the spirit that lives inside of us because we have a part of the Trinity, the Godhead living inside of us that gives us that union, that abiding where we can find rest for our souls, where we can find encouragement to lift our weary heads, where we can walk in faith when we walk through the difficult times of life and when we struggle to know what's true, we have the spirit of truth living inside of us, guiding us and moving us. And Maybe you're like me. When I was a kid, I... I always wanted to just talk to Jesus. You know, I just wanted to talk to him. I'm like, Jesus, what do you think about this? What, well, I'm scared of the dark. Like, why did you make scaring of the dark a thing? And, you know, I had all these questions that I wanted to talk to him. And maybe you're there too. Maybe today you're like, if, if I could just talk to Jesus, he could know the burdens that I, I bear. He can know the pain that I carry. He knows, like, if I could just talk to him. Well, if the text that we're reading is true, then we have the promise of the helper that is with us. If this text is true, if this text is true, then we have Jesus with us at every moment. We have the one that hears us and knows us. And I love how Romans talks about how when we pray, the spirit that lives inside of us groans with groanings that are so deep that he's communicating our deep pain to our Father. Even if we can't communicate it with our mouths, the deep pain that we carry inside of us, the Holy Spirit with groanings is communicating to our Father. Like, you're not alone. We are not alone. Just a little talk with Jesus. Yeah, he's there. Speak it. Say it. Walk through those pains and just say, Lord, I don't understand. But I know that your truth is here and that you have sent us another helper. Another helper that is indwelling us. So in that we have the full power and presence of God with us. Not a deficient, not something that's lesser. It's, it's not like God the Father, God the Son, and then you got God the Holy Spirit down here. <laughs> they're, they're one. And so that is living inside of us. So the truth dwells within us. The spirit of truth dwells within us. Jesus has promised to send the spirit to help us on our way. And we have the spirit of truth in us. Second, the spirit keeps us in the truth. Look at verse 21. He says, whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he, is, it, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my father and I will love him and manifest myself to him. And Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and he will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love does not keep my words and the word that you hear is not mine, but the father's who sent me. Again, Jesus is returning to this theme of love that results in obedience. And Jesus is saying that love is not just in, expressed in words of affirmation, but it's expressed or it's manifest in a heartfelt response to his teachings with obedience. 
And so that's what he's saying. Like the way that we respond is see what God has done and are overwhelmed by it. And we want to walk in those ways that Jesus says so that we experience the love of a father and we walk with him and we abide with him together. So the greatest incentive of the believer is to express love by obedience. It's our greatest joy. But we get to the, the point here in this passage that sometimes kind of can make us stumble or cause us to be like, wait, wait, what's going on? Judas comes out and asks this question. And the question comes from a place of he's unpacking one of the cultural beliefs that the, the Jews had at the day. One of the, the beliefs was that when the Messiah would come, he would manifest himself to the world in such a way that the world would bow down to him. And so the disciples, and especially Judas here, was waiting for that day to come. He's like, you're going to express yourselves and manifest yourself in such a mighty way that everyone's going to bow down. And what's going to happen, you're going to be raised up and we're going to be raised up. That's what they were hoping. They were hoping that they would have a seat at the table when Jesus uh, comes and, and overthrows the Roman Empire and all that other stuff. And, and Jesus takes Judas' question. He's like, that's not what it's about. I'm not coming for the I'm coming for the world, but I'm not coming to reveal to the world. I'm coming to reveal myself to the individual. And he's giving them this promise as he says that um, that those that experience personal belief will be with God. See, remember in, earlier in chapter 14, Jesus says, "Hey." I'm going to a place to prepare a place for you. It's my father's house and there's all of that. So I'm going to do that. But then he also gives the promise that we can experience. We don't have to wait for that experience completely in the future, but that we can experience it now in the day, in this moment, because of what the spirit has done. The spirit lives inside of us. So inside of us is God, is Jesus manifesting themselves and the spirit keeps us in the truth. The Spirit holds us. The Spirit guides us. The Spirit gives us the power to obey. Let me kind of put this into context that might actually help you in your daily life. And I've shared this before, but I think it's so uh, powerful to help us understand as we look at this today. There are times in which we can go to the commands of, of the Word of God, right? And sometimes we, we look at the commands of the Word of God and we're like, I can't do that. Like, I can't, like... I, got, I don't want to do that, right? Or then we look at the commands of God and we're like, okay, this is your command that I'm going to follow it out. And then we try to do it. We try to manufacture it. We try to obey on our own, in our own strength. And we only find defeat and we only find failure. Let me give you an example. Let's say we were open up to the Bible and it says, all Christians, all believers in Jesus can fly. It doesn't say that. Okay, I'm not, I'm not on the border of heresy this morning. It doesn't say that, but let's just imagine that it did. And that was a command. All believers can fly. So if you're like me, like with a misunderstanding of the text and the way this all works, you're like, okay, I believe I can fly. I believe it. The Bible says it. I believe it. So therefore I can go do it. And so then instead of, 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 of trying to really deeply understand that teaching, you're like, okay, I believe I can fly. So I go home and I start making myself some cardboard wings, maybe put some feathers on them. And I start flapping them, putting them on my arm. And I'm like, yeah, I believe I can fly. I believe, I believe it. R. Kelly's singing, I believe I can fly. 
I'll stop singing there. I believe I can touch the sky. I believe it. I believe it. The word says that I believe it. I can do it. And so then I go up to the top of my house. <laughs> I'm, I'm up there with my wings and I'm like, I believe I can fly. And then I jump and I leap. And guess what happens? You know what happens. I'm not flying. I'm, I'm not this, I don't have wings like that. So I come crashing to the ground and I fall on my face and I'm all in, in the, all the wings are broken. And I'm like, Lord, is your word not true? Did I not have enough faith? What's wrong with me? What's wrong with you? What's wrong with all of this? This stuff doesn't work. And you throw it away and you're like, I'm not doing this because it doesn't work. I want you to know and understand you're doing it all wrong. Because I believe I can fly. I believe you can fly. Because, but it's not in and of ourselves. We can fly, just go down to the airport. Go down to the airport. Don't, get, don't take those wings Board a plane and sit down. Right? You're flying, right? Plane takes off, 50,000 feet. You're like, woohoo, I'm flying. And some are like, are you really though? Yeah, you really are. Literally, you're flying. Like your feet were on the ground and now you're up in the sky and you're flying. But the difference is, you're not doing the work. You come in and you sit down on that seat and by doing that, you're surrendering. You're placing your faith in something else that's bigger than you, that's more powerful than you. And when you do that, not that you don't have to do anything, but you come in, you sit down, you buckle yourself up and you're like, let's go. That's what the Holy Spirit does for us. We read the commands of scripture and we begin by this humble admission. Lord, you say it, but I can't do it. We gotta come to that place. Lord, you say it, but I can't do it. But I know that you can do it in me because you live in me. And when we surrender to that, when we take that humble position, the Lord works it out in us. And the next thing you know, guess what? You're 50,000 feet and you're flying. You see, what enables us to keep Jesus' commandments is not self-effort, not our own strength, not our own innate goodness. It is the helper that lives inside of us. Lastly, I want us to see that the Spirit teaches us the truth. Verse 25, these things I have spoken to you while I'm still with you, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I've said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let you be afraid. You heard me say to you, I am going away and I will come to you. If you loved me, you would, have reject, you would have rejoiced because I am going to the Father for the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it takes place so that when it does take place, you may believe. I will no longer talk much with you for the ruler of the world is coming. He has no claim on me, but I do as the Father has commanded me so that the world may know that I love the Father. Rise, let us go from here. 
Now, there's so much in this passage that I do not have time to, to unpack. The whole understanding of the evil one and, and all, the, all of that stuff, I'm, I'm not going to get to touch on today. But what I want us to see here is the promise of the Holy Spirit is that when Jesus leaves and the Holy Spirit comes down, the Holy Spirit promises to teach us the truth. Right, the, the disciples, amazing thing took place after Jesus went to the cross, uh, went to the grave and was resurrected and lived with his disciples for 40 days and then ascended back into heaven. Shortly after that, in the book of Acts, we see that disciples are all there. Peter stands up and he preaches and on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit comes down and begins to indwell believers. And now these, these disciples that had walked with Jesus who now have become apostles and are teaching and, and establishing the church and all of that, they have the Holy Spirit living inside of them that's giving them all the remembrances of the word of God. Everything that Jesus taught, everything that Jesus said, the Holy Spirit is living inside of these believers now. The things that didn't make sense of what Jesus was saying, they're now making connections all over the place. And they're like, oh, that's how Jesus fulfills this for the Old Testament. That's how Jesus does. And their minds are continually blown because they come to Old Testament scriptures because they didn't have a New Testament at the time. They come to Old Testament scriptures and they're like, oh, oh, oh. Their love and their appreciation of God just continues to grow because Jesus is the fulfillment of everything that they've ever read. And now they remember. See, one of the great gifts of the Holy Spirit is illumination. Right? Before, before you have the Holy Spirit inside of you, you come to this text and you read this and you're like, huh, that doesn't make sense. So it sounds like in this book, you got like two different gods. In the Old Testament, you got this God of war, this God of hate, this God that just kills people. And then in the New Testament, you got this God of love. Like that doesn't make sense. That, that, is he schizophrenic? What's going on? But then, then when you come to believe in Jesus, the Holy Spirit indwells you. You come to read this and it's like life is coming to your soul. And what's happening is in our lives, there are two parts of our bodies when we come to know Christ. There's the spirit part and there's the flesh part. And either in our lives, we're either feeding one and starving the other. Are you following me? In our lives, we're constantly either feeding one and we're starving the other. And you wanna know how to fill your spirit, how to feed your spirit? Read the Bible. When you read God's word, God, the God of the universe who came down and gave his words to his faithful followers as they wrote down the words that he wanted them to write, this is inspired stuff and that feeds the spirit that is inside of us and our spirit starts to grow and it's like, yes, I want more. And so we eat more and we take more and we take more and our spirit is fed. You wanna know the second way your spirit is fed? Through prayer. Reading God's word and praying will feed the spirit that isn't, you wanna starve it? Don't pray, don't read your Bible. And then the part of you that is the spirit starts to starve. It starts to get smaller and starts to show, it's still there, but you're not accessing the full power and presence of God. You're like, eh, I don't need that. So the spirit teaches us the truth. This morning, as we come to our time of close, My prayer for you, my prayer for myself, is that we would be more faithful to understand and walk in the truths of Scripture. We have the presence of God living inside of us. Let's act like it. 
Let's act like it. Let's, let's just say, hey, sinful habits, let's, let's put them on the altar and let's say, Lord, take these away from me. Let me walk in holiness. The habits that we have, the things that we do, the parts of our, our own behavior that we come to Scripture and are like, ah, I'm not supposed to do that. Let us just walk in the presence and the spirit of the Lord because he's given us the power to overcome. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, I encourage you, like before you leave, like meet me in the, in the lobby and say, Pastor, I wanna know about Jesus and I'd love to share with you about him. Or maybe you're here, you're just, you just feel dead, like your spirit feels dead. Let me remind you the best way to feed that is through prayer and reading your Bible. Spend time doing that. In the beginning of the day, throughout the day, feed your soul and see the Lord do mighty acts of healing in you, transformation, all for his own glory. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your words this morning. We thank you for your truths. We thank you for your challenge. And Father, I pray today that as we wrestle with the text this afternoon too, as we go home, may we continue to think about these things and continue to walk in the truths that you've provided. I thank you, Father, for the Holy Spirit. I thank you that this presence and this guide and this power you've given us, that we would walk in it. That we would not just rest in the fact that you are God the Father and you are God the Son, but that you are God the Spirit. So thank you for that gift. May we utilize it in a way that will bring us closer to you and make us more like you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself to us today.